Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of the Nina Kowser Show. It's great to be back. Brand new season. The Reds, absolutely flawless. Smashing West Ham, 4-0 at Anfield. Very happy days. But before we continue any further, I will have to apologise. I've not had much of a pre-season when it comes to hosting. I might be a tad rusty, but you know what? Where I lacked in making up on uh, on the podcasting, I have a body like Shakiri now. I am a machine, but that's no use. Today, I have two amazing guests, some amazing callers. A bit of a pre-season kind of um, warm-up for my next guest. He is brand new on Anfield Index, but he is making his debut on a call-in show. It is Mr. Hakeem. Hakeem, welcome to the Nina Kowser Show. Hi, Nina. It's nice being here. Thanks. Come on, man. Give me some fucking energy. We're on top of the fucking league. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, I'm excited, but I got to keep nice and calm for the for the listeners. Okay, you, you, you add the mellowness and joining Hakeem, it's Mr. Cooler's fuck himself. The last time we hammered West Ham, we watched it together. It's Mr. Justin Wells. Justin, welcome to the show. How's it going? You know, we get a 4-0 win on opening day and, uh, the lasting image I'm left with is still just Jack Wilshire and Mark Noble going down from simultaneous groin shots in the, in the second half. Yeah, taking uh, two for the team there. Um, happy days, happy days. But like we said, we have callers. So what we'll do is we'll jump straight to them. Our first caller, I'm quite excited, is AI Pro subscriber from the USA, also contributor to the USA pod, Mr. Dylan Cavallio. Welcome to the show, Dylan. Long time no speak. I know. It's been a minute, as uh, the cool kids would say. Mm-hmm. It's been a hot minute. So, Dylan, uh, I'm sure you were absolutely delighted with that, but want to get your thoughts. What would you like to bring up with uh, the panel today? Oh, I'm absolutely delighted with that. What a way to mm-hmm. open the season. Absolutely comprehensive performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know what you guys thought about Roberto Firmino. Um, not that he didn't play well. I thought he did play well, but you just kind of wonder, do we really need to play him? Uh, I want to know what you guys think about his impact on the, on the team today and whether we really needed to play him or start him, at least. Excellent question. Um, absolutely. 
And um, Justin, I will come to you first because um, he's, you know, just come back from, you know, holiday. He was obviously with Brazil. Um, saving grace for Roberto Firmino it, with regards to Brazil was that he hardly played. For me today, um, I think Dylan's absolutely spot on. I thought he had um, a pretty decent game. But I want to get your thoughts on the actual question itself regarding should he have been played? Because uh, for me, I'm of the belief that the front three have to play together. Oh, yeah, he absolutely needs to play. First off, I mean, he had a, a very Roberto Firmino game. Uh, West Ham couldn't get out of their own end with the ball. He basically harassed them constantly into just bad decisions and just then giving up on even trying a short passing game. And they just started at one point, just abandoned it and started going over the top. But getting him 60 minutes as a, from the start with playing with Mane and Salah because they didn't really have a ton of preseason minutes together, unlike last season. Um, I think it was just necessary just to start getting them back in a flow and into a groove. Uh, the first four games of the season are always interesting because it's four games and three or four games, and then usually a, a you know a two week international break. So I think that he'll have the time to get himself to match fitness, and I think that there's no reason to not play him and just do this, just get him back into uh, building up a bigger load and uh, you know getting him just purring and ready to go for the season. Um, you know, having Shakiri and uh, Sturridge on the bench also gives you options to actually take him off and not lose a ton during matches. So we'll be able to manage his minutes better and maybe keep him from getting, you know, very leggy very early. But I, I just think you just need to play him just to build up his fit, just to build up his match fitness at this point. Absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree more. And Hakeem, I'm going to come to you now. I want to get your thoughts on um, Roberto Firmino's performance and just exactly what he kind of adds to this team. And, um, you know, your sort of um, response to uh, both Dylan and uh, Justin's uh, comments there. Well, I'd have to agree with Justin. He's quite right about Firmino getting minutes for his preseason, essentially, since he missed a few weeks earlier on. Um, He touched on the, the fact that Bobby was pressing really well, which I have mm-hmm. to agree with. Yeah. I mean, West Ham couldn't get out at all. I mean, th- I think this is 60 to 70% of our press. We will see it 100% in, in, in the next couple months. But otherwise, I'm focusing more on his performance. I think he dropped into the midfield only only a few times to pick up the ball and, and, and get the team moving forward. But with the midfield setup of Keita, Genie, and Milner, which we'll come on to later on in the pod, I think we won't see him drop as deep as much depending on the setup, and he'll be more of a striker. He'll be more of that presence there to allow Salah or Mane to play off of him. So I think it was an overall good performance from him today, and I think we'll see many more performances just like that. Hopefully he'll score, he'll score more goals or assist more, but again, this is just a preseason match for him, to be honest. Yeah, and another thing I kind of noticed as well with them, and I'd like to get all three of your input on this, um, something that I noticed today as well was um, he he was doing a lot of sort of um, selfless work, which is pretty much what Roberto Firmino does. I mean, to me, he didn't look um, unfit or rusty. He kind of pretty much, it was normal service resumed, you know, looking up, trying to create space, intelligent runs, trying to play the intelligent pass. I felt like him and Sadio Mane were like the busy little bees, certainly in the first half, just behind Mo Salah and just sort of linking up with Keita. It was almost like a flawless kind of transition, which I thought he really complimented really well. And I think, you know, and I, I get Dylan's point. Uh, Dylan, I really do get your point about, you know, maybe resting him because we do have the quality on the bench now. But if this is your front three, then I think they need to play as many games as possible just so as the season progresses, they look uh, very much part of a unit and a team. 
Um, I want to get your thoughts on that. What, what did you make of uh, Roberto, uh, Roberto Firmino's like sort of um, input in the game and how he was sort of set up? Like you said, it was more of like selfless work and leading mm. the press like Firmino typ- typically does. It wasn't mm. a lot of the flashy, uh, you know, fancy footwork. And, and he played one nice through ball and he got the assist, but it wasn't a lot of that. It was more of the, the work rate. And I'll, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I'd rather see 60 minutes from the start from Firmino than 20, 30 minutes off the bench. So if you're going to play and play from the start. Can I, can I just throw a point in here quickly? Mm-hmm. And, and this is going to be basically just kind of, I think, something that we all need to keep in mind. Um, it's early in the season, and we have a relatively difficult start. Putting as many points on the board as we can is the imperative to actually push City and not lose them very quickly and let's let's be honest that's what we all want right we we want a title challenge and we think that this team is capable of it so i don't know what there is in holding back any of your best players from playing early just to try to bet just to just to try to bet in players let's get points on the board and then bet and then bet in the you know shakiri or sturridge into how we're going to play and uh not have to worry about you know this whole rigmarole around well, we're not betting them in, but we're also not putting points on the board. Just get the points. Straight to the point. I love that. <laughs> just It's all about the points. And Hakeem, I'll let you have a, a final say on this. Well, I have to agree with Justin. I mean, there's not much more to add. We get the points on the board. Everyone's comfortable. Everyone's happy. And then players will come in and hopefully it will be a smooth transition for the first four games. And then we'll see a, a, a quite a quite a bit more rotation after the first international mm-hmm. break. But I have to agree with Justin. He's he's right. Let's get the points on the board with our strongest team possible. So don't be surprised if you see Hendo starting the next game. It's going to light some fires, I know. (laughs) You're lighting them on the first NKS. I mean, I'm quite happy with the rotation policy. Dylan, I'll let you have the closing say before we move on. I mean, the reason he was out there starting is because everybody, including Klopp, thinks that he's ready and he's fit. And like Mm -hmm. you said, Nina, he didn't look unfit. So I'm happy with his performance. I just wanted to Ask the question. Yeah, and it's a good question to ask because, like you said, we do have um, players now um, on the bench. Like last season, there was just the front three and that was it. As for this time around, there is genuine options that you can actually take the players off. You know, you can bring on a Shakirian, you can bring on a Daniel Sturridge. And, you know, you feel a little bit more sort of at ease um, watching Liverpool, knowing that there is quality on that bench. So it is an absolutely um, valid point to make, in my opinion. Um, but Dylan, thank you so much for your call. Of course. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hopefully I'll be on a few more this year. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure you will, Dylan. Well, I hope you enjoyed that and enjoy being on top of the league because we're going to win it. Hell yes, we are. All right, guys. <laughs> cheers. You take care. Thank you. Yeah, bye. So that was Dylan, a regular caller on the Nina Casa show. We're going to be joined by another familiar voice. I'm quite excited again. It's been a long time. It is Hamir Singh from New Delhi, India. Welcome to the show, Hamir. Thank you, Nina. It really has been a long time. Great to be back. It has. Um, I'm delighted that you're back on and I'm, you know, really glad the season's kicked off. You know, it feels like old, you know, the good old times. So, Hamid, um, you always make some excellent, interesting points. So, I am really intrigued what your thoughts are today. So, uh, like we all saw the front three and every, everybody was on fire. So, but the reason we won so com- comprehensively was because of the midfield three. So, mm-hmm. what are my question is, what do you, do you think this is going to be a regular midfield three or with the rotation? Is it more of a home midfield three where, you know, like where, where you have more of the ball and just 
have to like to blitz uh, like to just smash the opposition and in a away games like a pal- like palace next week where we see more of a henderson or a fabinho there as a six and vinaldo on the bench something like that you know like henderson vinaldo milner rotation you know where i'm getting at so. mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. and and a uh, great great question again because i think a lot of today's result was actually down to that midfield so um hakim i'm going to come to you first because I thought the way West Ham was set up with regards to it was almost like four and five uh, in, 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 in the midfield. And I thought that midfield that we played really, really complemented because although West Ham were trying to keep a very defensive shape, I thought the, the diversity of the three midfielders that we had and the width of, say, Robertson with the crossing and, you know, Trent and, you know, his pace, I thought we kind of really sort of dominated that area. And I thought the midfield was... It was almost like it just constantly kept asking questions of West Ham, kept knocking on the door, in particular a certain uh, our new number eight, just constantly trying to find space, trying to exploit space, uh, dribble. I want to get your thoughts. Do you think? Do you think this is going to be the starting midfield, or do you, or do you think that maybe the likes of say Fabinho and um, Henderson will also be factored in, and Jurgen Klopp will have the luxury of say tinkering with different formations and different players? Well. First of all, I can say I don't think we can. I don't think we could say conclusively that this is our first choice midfield or mm-hmm. a home midfield. Uh, we have to get all the players back fully fit, and after a few games, then we can make make that make that. Well, then Klopp can make that decision on what what his best midfield three would be. But I think our midfield really did line up well against West Ham, mm-hmm. so we didn't really need a defensive midfielder to sit in a hold because Arnautovic was really the only outlet for yeah. West Ham for a majority of the game. So having three midfielders who were quite comfortable on the ball and comfortable in in attacking positions really helped us out. So I'll go a bit tactically in, into the roles that both, well, all three of the midfielders performed. Mm-hmm. So Milner was much of an auxiliary winger throughout the game. So he was moving, he was more on the right, but he would he would go really wide and play those one-twos with Salah or play them with Trent whipping those crosses in. And then Nabi would would play more of a false ten, I guess, which is which is like, which is the ordinary eight, I would say. Mm. So he was driving with the ball through the middle yeah. of the pitch, or looking for those incisive passes right through the middle. Mm-hmm. And then Genie was really comfortable, and we saw this last season against Man City when he played in the Champions League. He's very comfortable on the ball, and he's quite press resistant. So he's able to to keep a sense of calm in the midfield, even when he's being pressed. So all together, it was a pretty calm and pretty comprehensive performance by the midfield to control the game, which we did from the beginning of the second half. I like the way you broke that down. And Justin, I'm going to come to you. I want to get your thoughts on on the midfield because I think um, Hakeem made a really good point that you know a DM would have been pretty much a wasted position today, given the fact that you know <laughs> there was they just had like pretty much one man, um, uh, you know, just pretty much stationary on his own up front. The worst of our three midfielders passing the ball was Keita at 88%. <laughs> I mean, that, how, how much can you dominate a team if the guy, you know, 68 passes, 88% is the worst of your three. I mean, they, they couldn't get near us. And I think that there was one moment where I saw Keita for the first goal where he just drives past Mark Noble, mm. um, where I'm just sitting there thinking that this is going to be a lot of fun this season because – you know, Mark Noble is basically your your league average Premier League midfielder, mm. and Kata just completely and totally nuked and annihilated him. 
And I mean, the top six are going to have midfields that are going to be competitive against us, but you could throw any level of our personnel in there with that, with, with that guy creating space for people and we'll, we'll be fine. He, he really does seem to give that missing dynamism that we, that, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't there at the end of last season or through a lot of last season that's now all of a sudden there. And it's a, it's a different dimension that makes us, you know, even more impossible to play. And we weren't that much, you know, we weren't that easy to play last season. Um, but I just want to share one thing. During today's game, James Milner was 95 of 102. <laughs> like, that's oh. just absurd. He, he's everywhere looking for the ball, got the ball, made good decisions, and got the team just moving and playing. I mean, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a man of the match type performance from a guy who you know doesn't usually put this kind of performance together, mm. but really dominated the game. Absolutely, and another thing as well, I thought in the first half, um, I was quite impressed to see Ginny sort of trying to drive forward as well. He was which... he was very very good as well. Mm. All three of them it... were. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think as well, one thing that you need to remember as well was I think we've all kind of highlighted here and I'd love to bring Hamir in on this. One thing that we've kind of struggled as a team is against sort of like a low block team or a defensive team or a team that sets up quite defensively in shape. And I felt although West Ham tried being quite resilient, you know, um, certainly in the first half and they tried holding their shape and they pretty much tried giving our strikers zero space. You know, there was just so many defenders in that box. There was no space. I felt like we just, the midfield just kept constantly, um, putting the, the sort of forward pass forward, weren't scared of the numbers and the players that they had. And I thought certainly players like Naby Keita and, you know, I know we're not really speaking about the, the full backs, but I thought Robertson and some of the crossing, I thought it was all very, very sort of, um, attack minded. And I felt like it was a very different look, Liverpool, in that regard. Yeah, I, I agree. From the first five minutes, I thought, like, that's, like something's changed at Anfield. I was like, what's... Mm. Because, and the goal perfectly summed it up, like, the Robertson cross, Salah tapped in, and uh, Naby Keita was crucial in that. So, if yeah. this is what's to come, then yeah, I think we have a great potential season ahead because that's, as you mentioned, that's where we've been weak, the low block team. But I think West... West Ham, West Ham were a low block team, but I think we'll face tougher teams like that. Lower, low league, or lower, bottom half opposition, but, um, tougher defenses to break down. Yes. But I think this is a good start. Mm. Uh, this is a good start. And one point, I think I haven't seen Liverpool have a convincing opening day win ever. I think like we scored four at the Emirates, which conceded three. So I think this is the first never under Rogers and Benitez also like, one nil, two nil, two one type victory. So I think this is the first time I've seen Liverpool have a very, very convincing opening day victory. And it, I'm glad that happened. But uh, let's see. I think one thing we forgot to mention: where does Adam Lalana fit in all this equation? So I hope um, we beat Palace next week. That's a true first true test. So thank you, thanks for having me. Ale, ale, ale. Absolutely. And you know what? I love your call about Adam Lalana there. That is an absolutely brilliant question given the fact that, you know, there is just, um, you know, there's the likes of Henderson and Fabinho still, you know, um, uh, in, in the question, you know, in, in the discussion there. I mean, I'll come to Hakeem first. Lalana, your thoughts on him? People thought, you know, pretty much that he could fill the void of like the number 10 role. I want to get your thoughts. I mean, if he's fit, he, you know, it's, it's, do you think he's 
good enough? Do you think he could break this team? Because right now, um, there is some quality in that midfield. Well, last season when, when we lost Coutinho and everyone was hoping that Lallana would come back mm. to help with the press or help with creativity, <laughs> we were sorely disappointed with that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's not good enough. In general, he is, he is a very good player or good enough in, in what he does. But I think the team has progressed beyond him. Yeah. So he's, he's no, he's, he's going to be nothing more than a, than a rotation player. So mm-hmm. not even necessarily a bench player if everyone is fit and firing. I'm sure he'd miss quite a few game weeks where he's not 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 named in the 18, but he's a good option to have because if we have one or two injuries, I'd much rather have Lalana come on. And although he'll take a million touches, I'd rather him come on in the high-pressure games than have Curtis Jones under that type of pressure, which I'm sure we'll see Curtis Jones quite a, quite a quite a bit. But in certain situations, it's good to have that experience and that and that knowledge on the pitch. So I know a lot of people think we should get rid of him or think it's a missed opportunity missed opportunity to get rid of him in the past uh transfer window and get someone else in but i think we need need someone like lalan around just like how we need james milner so i think he'll he'll have an impact on the team but not not necessarily as a as a number one starter but he he'll be used in rotation Mm, i think my problem with adam lalan is it is just it is like like you said the too many touches and it is the fact that I can't rely on him like I have major trust issues with him because of his injuries he's been more injured than Daniel Sturridge but he you know Daniel Sturridge gets um, the rough end of the deal from fans he gets so much stick and with James Milner like I think is it Cy Brundish that calls him Ironborn I can't think of a more fitting name for a player <laughs> uh, you know you know that that guy Touchwood is a freak of nature and really doesn't get injured I mean today playing with like a sort of like a bandage around his head as well. Uh, Justin, I'm going to come to you with regards to the discussion about Adam Lallana. You know, Hakeem kind of said he could be a rotation player. Realistically, where do you see Klopp maybe rotating him and against what kind of opposition do you think? Do you think it'd be, he'll be more of like a cup player? I actually think the only time I'd play him is up like three or four goals when we just want to take our foot mm-hmm. off the gas and just have someone who holds the ball. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's his only use for me. Uh, doesn't add anything to the attack. Doesn't, n- never healthy. I'd maybe use him at cup games, but to be perfectly honest, if you're doing that, you're trusting him as a leader with kids. And I don't kind of, ha- I don't trust him with like in that way after his reaction in the U23s last year, where he basically just, you know, annihilated a cheap shot at a kid. Um, I- I've lost a lot for Lalana. Um, I-, I don't really want him here. I don't know what he does. I don't know what he offers. Um, uh, and I don't, think that even the things that people think that he's good at, he's actually good at. Oof. I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> really? And Hamid, I'm going to let you have the final word on this because you did bring up the question and the discussion. So your thoughts on Adam Lalana, given what the lads have just said there? I think he'll be a cup player, a league cup player. I, I hope he plays more games because I'm a big Lalana guy. I'm, I'm really fond of Lalana. So let's see, um, because, but it's another good option to have, like, Marco Gruich is there, Lalana is there. So, but I don't see him getting ahead of Van Aldum or anybody's, but like, depth, depth is the keyword. So that's what he is needed for and uh, mm-hmm. glad he's here and hopefully he scores a few crucial goals. That's all I can say. Nice. Well, Hamid, thank you so much for your call. Uh, thank you. Thank you.
Yep, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. And sure. like I said to Dylan, we're going to win the league. So a big smile on your uh, face, please. <laughs> Take care. Thank you, Hamid. That was our second caller, Hamid, on the first Nina Kavza show calling of the season. We're going to move on to our third and final caller, a brand new voice, sort of like a new signing to the Nina Kavza show calling segment. It's an AI Pro subscriber. Roshan Ravikumar. You can follow him on Twitter at RoshanR27 from Indonesia. Welcome to the show, Roshan. Thanks, Nina. Really great being here. Uh, I've been listening to this pod since like 2014 or something. So uh, great to be on finally. Well, you know what? You're part of it now. So you know what? It's great to have you on. I'm glad you, you've joined us. So I'm really intrigued. Um, what would you, how you've, I mean, I want to get your thoughts on the game and um, what questions you'd like to raise with the panel. Uh, that was a fantastic game. I've mm. been looking forward to watching football since the World Cup. No, since preseason. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, 4-0, top of the table. Can't really ask for more. Um yeah, I think, yeah, so what I want to ask, so, okay, basically, I'm not the biggest uh, Dejan Lovren fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a pretty terrible uh, football player and honestly can't believe we haven't signed um, anyone at right side centre back this window. Um, so the question for you is, uh, do you think Klopp will give a Gomez and Virgil van Dijk a chance to establish themselves as the first choice centre back partnership? Or do you think he brings on uh, Dejan Lovren whenever he's fit? You know what? It's a really good. I'm not just saying this. It's a really good question. It's a really good question because Justin, I'm gonna come to you first because I don't. I've been on and off Twitter, and I've been reading lots of rumors about um, Dejan Lovren and his injury, and just how much has he divulged or not divulged to the club. And to me, it's. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on this because I don't think anyone really knows. I know there's been a few articles and like a few rumor mill kind of stories, but. If he has indeed been injured and was injured and went off to Croatia and didn't tell the club, then that is probably the most um, negligent thing and irresponsible thing that he's ever done at Liverpool. If I, I, that is the case. I, I would agree with you if that's the case, but I also, you know, want to bring up the, you know, the whole thing of also you stated right there that nobody knows anything. Exactly. And I think you know, Lovren is a divisive player, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that he's as miserably awful as some of his critics say he is. I don't think he's as good as his defenders say he is. Um, while he's playing in a red shirt, I'd like him to do well. But I think ultimately, because of just the way he carries himself and how he started at Liverpool, there are going to be some who are never going to be convinced by him. And then a story like this is going to come out, and people are just going to believe what they want to believe uh, because of the lack of information and because of the fact that it plays into, I don't know, maybe a narrative that you like. So... That's just kind of, that's, and I think that's effectively how it is. I think that's how it's going to be. Um, if he's, if, if what is, uh, being said is what he did, that where he had an injury and didn't disclose it, um, why wouldn't you disclose it? Likely because of the fact that you'd fear that they'd sign someone else who might take your spot. If he does that, then you know what? Like, you're an asshole, basically. Like, you'd be putting your teammates in a position where they might not get, as far because of the fact that you selfishly prioritize yourself over the rest of the team. I can't see Lovren actually doing that from how mm-hmm. he's actually behaved. All of all the things you could probably say about him, even his, even his detractors would probably say that at the very least, he seems to be very liked in the locker room, 
which means he's probably a very good teammate. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, something about the story stinks to me that, you know, about like, you know, him intentionally not disclosing an injury. Like, I just don't think that that would be accurate or fair. Um, it just doesn't seem in character with him, but if he did it, it's extremely negligent. And, uh, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how you punish it, right? Because he's going to need to, he's probably going to need to play at some point. So, I mean, I don't know what you could possibly do to discipline him. Um, I'd imagine it would be handled behind closed doors if it was. Yeah, it definitely does strike me as something that would be handled behind closed doors. Hakeem, I'm going to bring you in. I mean, Rosh, you know, I think Rosh just kind of pretty much um, wanted to ask about uh, Gomez and uh, does he, will he have a run of games? And um, like we said, we, we don't know anything about this story, whether it's true or false. But right now, with all the injuries in, in, in the centre-back situation, and the fact that we've not signed anyone, it looks like Gomez will pretty much have a, a fair few runner games. And if he continues to progress and impress and do well, then it could potentially be that there might be a little rivalry for that spot between um, Lovren and uh, Gomez. And I think that's fair and I think that's healthy. You know, he, I don't think Dejan Lovren should walk into his... Um, his spot in the first team if Gomez is playing well. So I want to get your thoughts on uh, Gomez's um, uh, performance today with Van Dyke. Well, I think he performed really well today, actually. Mm. Um, I think he'll get the first four games for sure, seeing mm. that Klavan, we're, we're not really sure what his injury what his injury situation is. Same thing with Matip. He's, he's had a spotty injury record for the past year or so. So I, I'm sure he'll get the first few games, and then again the others would have to get back and get back to full fitness. So for for quite a quite a while, I think Gomez will be the partner of Van Dyke. Now coming to his performance today, I think he played really well. There's still a few kinks in his game that he he'd have to get that he'd have to iron out. I would say um, Virgil is there guiding him, so I think that would be great for him. So um, when we when we look at his performance, he showed really 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 good recovery pace a couple times. Trent was beaten out wide and he came across and covered really well. Um, he, he had what, maybe one or two headers. I know that's, that's been his major flaw, especially mm-hmm. when he was played at, at right back where, <laughs> where some balls would go over his head. But I think he's developing that, that part of his game and it only, it's only going to take time for him to get better at it, especially being beside Van Dyke, who's going to lead him, lead him through that. Nope, I, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, and I do think in the air, you're, you're absolutely right to highlight that. And we already knew that to begin with. Roshan, I'm going to bring you back in. You've, you've heard what, um, the comments are about, um, the Gomez and Van Dyke partnership and also the hearsay kind of rumors about Lovren. Um, I think that's all dependent on whether it's true or not. No one really knows. So I'll let you. Um, have your say on what the lads have discussed there? Yeah, sure. So, uh, just two things. Um, first, I think, um, despite the rumors, like even if you completely ignore it, I think honestly, like right sided center back has been a weakness for God as long as I remember now. So, um, the fact that we haven't really, uh, I'm not sure if we've tried to sign a, 
uh, center back, but we failed, or I mean, whatever it is, we didn't get one in the end. So I mean, that's a bit disappointing. Uh, secondly, I mean, we've talked about Gomez. Um, I mean, converting from right sided, uh, sorry, right back to center back based on uh, potential attributes like um, he's fast, quick recovery pace, he's tall, he can get headers in. Um, so personally, I would give um, Gomez VVD a shot. Um, this, I mean, this is kind of the perfect, um, Gomez rather has all the perfect factors in place. So he has a good center back partnership with VV, uh, partner in VVD. He has a great keeper behind him. Um, he would have, um, good, a good, um, DM in Fabinho. So if he is given the chance and he does flourish, then I think he honestly deserves the place because like for me, Lovren hasn't really showed that he is the quality, um, RCP that we've needed. Okay, I've got a curveball for all three of you. I mean, we, we know Gomez has the the potential and the talent, but I think the only thing that's always been a kind of setback for Gomez has been injuries. I'd say that's fair. So mm-hmm. would you like to see maybe another sort of Virgil van Dijk situation in January where there is like a centre-back being brought in or would you rather trust a, a young defender who does have, um, a, you know, um, a bit of a an injury kind of record or like there's a bit of a crisis with his injuries because I don't think any of our centre-backs bar Van Dijk are actually reliable in that regard. My my view on it is that we should get a right-sided centre-back to mm-hmm. partner Van Dijk but I can understand why the club hasn't or why Klopp hasn't. When mm-hmm. you think about it, we have five centre-backs plus Nat Phillips had a really good preseason, so I can understand him thinking, all right, I have enough coverage to rotate if someone's injured or, or whatnot. But when we when we take stock of how often our centre-backs have been missing, bar Van Dyke. It's quite a lot. And even though their stats, I'm, I'm sure people that listen to Cy Brundish on the UP podcast know that they haven't missed that many games in as, as we've perceived them to have missed. But when you think about them being out one game and then in the other, it's not. it doesn't make for a really good defence, especially for the comfort of the goalkeeper, knowing that all right, then every game he's going to have a new center-back pairing in front of him. But in order for us to get a center-back, I think we'd have to ship two out. So either Matip, Lovren, and Klavan, two of those three would have to leave for us to get a, a number one center-back to, to partner Van Dyke, And then that would relegate Gomez to being a sub. So if we want him to, to develop into the center-back that he can develop into, I don't think buying, a, buying another one in January or next summer is going to help him at all. I need to see him head the ball for like a, a solid run of games. That's that's really it. If, if he's not going to actually do that, you know, that's the other thing besides injuries. The fact that you can play aerially over the top of him, doing that I'm, in this league. I mean, he uh, started. He started. He's, he's starting he's had to. a few headers. He's starting to. But that's what I'm saying. I, I, I we have to, to, see we have to give him time. I know, but we have to give him time because if you don't give him time and just make that judgment now, then you're pretty much counting him out and saying, all right, he's not good enough based on the fact that Last season, he was playing at, in a position where he wasn't all too comfortable and he was missing a few headers. Now it's a whole different position, so he needs time to adapt to it. The last time he really played center back for a run of games was when he was in the under-23s almost a year ago. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see him get a run of games, but uh, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why he should be replaced until... I mean, I don't think that Lovren should just be handed the right center back job upon, upon returning. 
especially if Gomez, you know, based on today, uh, obviously at West Ham side, that was diabolical at points in time. But, uh, you know, he did his job. You can't, I don't think you should be removing guys from the lineup for doing their jobs. So, you know, let him play I, around I games. Actually, I actually don't think he will, because if you look at the left-back situation last season, where, you know, yeah. um, he bought Robertson, but he started Moreno, because he just, and Moreno did really well. And him and Marnie had some great link-up play down the left. And then, unfortunately, Moreno got injured. And then Robertson came in. And then Robertson made that uh, position his own. Uh, and and I think Klopp will probably go the same... I don't know the same um, route, in my opinion, with, with the right-sided centre-back. I think if Gomez is playing really well and he manages to stay fit, and him and Virgil van Dijk actually have some kind of amazing understanding and everything looks cohesive and the unit is harmonious, I don't see why he would shake that up. No, I, I, and I hope he doesn't. Mm. Yeah, and I was going to draw the same analogy as you. Like, I mean, if Gomez steps up, uh, he does a Robertson and, you know, just makes his, makes the position his own, uh, then, yeah, I don't see any reason we have to get a centre-back. But, I mean, if he struggles, uh, then, I mean, let's go for it, right? Um, we've been linked with a couple of names, uh, Lachelle's from Newcastle, uh, the guy from Burnley, uh, Tarkovsky. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I would honestly give Gomez a chance and just see how he does. I think then you have to just hope that neither of those sides are in relegation battles because no no defensive-oriented team in the Premier League is going to sell a centre-back in a relegation battle. That's an, also another very, very great point. Um, Roshan, um, uh, I would like to thank you for your call and your question. Uh, nothing else. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for calling. It's yeah, great having you on. Hi, Anne. How are you? Um, is everything okay? Yeah, absolutely, Gags. Everything is fine. But you know what? I'm hearing you've got a special offer for Anfield Index Pro. Is that so? Yes, absolutely, And We've got your weekly show, Moby on the Spot, the popular stat show, Under Pressure. Post-match Raw is now back and loads of other shows available at our lowest price ever. Go on then, Gags. How cheap is that? Get this, mate. Get this. It's absolutely free for seven days and then only thirty nine ninety nine for a whole year. New users can now sign up and access everything at AmfieldIndexPro.com. I have to say, Gax, that is incredible news. i got to go. Where are you going? Well, to be fair, I need to go and tell Rushy about this offer. <laughs> Thanks. Whilst you're there, please let Rushy know that we accept all major credits and debit cards via the website. And not only that, we've now added PayPal too. And if you want an app option, then via iOS, you can purchase AI Pro through an in-app purchase. Jan? Jan? So that was Roshan, our first time caller and the last one on this specific episode of the Nina Kauser Show. If you're still with us, I hope you enjoyed that and you already know the score, Liverpool won 4-0. It was amazing. And it's just myself and my two absolutely incredible panellists, Justin and Hakeem. Guys, it's just us three now, so you know what? We might as well discuss some random little things that are left to discuss. And first up, I want to talk about who, who was the expensive goalkeeper? Then he wasn't the expensive goalkeeper. I'm talking about Alison Becker. Um, I think it's important to discuss him because I think, um, Justin, I'll come to you first. I think many people are very excited to actually have a quality goalkeeper to pay that money to show that statement of intent. 
I want to get your thoughts on this performance. I thought he had a pretty decent game. I don't think he had an awful lot to do, if I'm honest, but I just thought, yeah, you did good. Your it was my passing out was fine. It was my favorite kind of goalkeeping uh, mm. performance where I didn't have to notice that we even played a goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, but I, he handled everything that was thrown at him. There was one situation where he had to do any sort of anything that was any sort of real intervention, which was just a you know a punch out of a, a cross, which he got away comfortably. Um, yeah. He had he had one miss kick that he you know one miss kick, but it was minor and you know nothing came of it. But otherwise, you know, a shirt on the ball looks to try to play it quickly. Uh, there, there wasn't anything to really do for him today, though. It's one of those things where it's, it's nice to get the debut. It's good to get the home clean sheet, but they had one shot on target in '88, in, in you know, over the course of the game. So, not much of a test, but a solid beginning. Absolutely, and Hakeem, I'll come to you. Your thoughts on Allison? I think, I think just. In in a whole sort of defensive shape up setup, I think it was great for Allison to maybe have that kind of game where he wasn't tested all so much because I think it's maybe it's a nice little taster date to the Premier League for him. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. Um, I think the defense also helped him out quite a bit. I know Klopp mentioned it after one of our preseason games where they would just pass him the ball in really dangerous situations because they were really comfortable with with his quality on the ball, but. They really helped him out with that. I mean, he. I think he has a lot of goodwill in mm. his bag right now, <laughs> seeing that he replaced Carrius and, and Minile. Because he had one mishap, but the cl- the crowd didn't react too poorly to it. So I think it was overall a really good performance. At one point, I forgot we even signed a new goalkeeper, seeing how, how well the team was playing. High up, Could have played Bogdan, we wouldn't have known. Yeah, I'm just I'm just kidding, people. No, that should never happen. <laughs> Bog Bogdan is God. What do you mean? Ginger <laughs> <laughs> Gigi. Yeah, no, but it, it was a really good, comfortable performance mm. I, along the whole spine of the team. I think we have really calm presence, or re- players with really calm presences that are comfortable on the ball, and they just exude that that presence and that calmness to everyone else. So I, I think it was a really good performance for him. Absolutely. I couldn't really add any more to the Allison thing. I think it was maybe a great debut. It was great to see him get a clean sheet as well. Like he said, I don't think uh, West Ham actually um, uh, asked any questions of him, but we'll take that all day long. Let that continue. You know what, guys? We have to discuss the goals. You have to. You have to discuss the goal scorers. So, you know what, Justin? But because it was before the pod started, and you wanted to discuss a certain man. So I'm going to give you the floor. Talk to me about Sadio Mane and the two goals that he scored. All right. So let, let's, let's, go with the first, let's go with the first one first. Um, he just, he's, you know, right, right place, right time to get on the other end of a cross where Andy Robertson floats one to the back post and James Milner mm. does incredible work to keep that ball alive. Gosh, but, yes. It's an open goal, and he puts any and he gets it right into there. And then on the second one, so what if he's three yards offsides? Um, he still scored. I mean, he was definitely offsides. I mean, it, it's bad. It's bad refereeing to allow that goal to stand. But fuck it, I'll take it. I'm 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 talking about this one as a Liverpool fan, not as a an objective observer of refereeing. Yes, I'm, I'm with you on that. We never get penalties anyway. I tweeted that. We're not going to get any penalties. So you know what? Let's give us all the offside goals that the world has to offer, and we'll take them. Yeah, but it just—he also just looked such a threat running at every yes. single at everybody the entire game. He got behind West Ham's defense so many times. Mm. Um, 
him and Nabi Keita really seem to understand each other pretty yeah. well already, which makes sense because, you know, they're friends. And, mm. uh, you know, Mon, you know, Keita said that Mane was, you know, influential in getting him to Liverpool. So, uh, you could, you could see why I think Mane wanted him there. And you can see that Keita seems to enjoy, uh, having Mane there. Um, there, that having that understanding that quickly will help Keita bet into the side a lot faster. Absolutely. And I'm going to come to um, Hakeem now. Hakeem, I want to get your thoughts because um, I thought the first goal was just great by, you know, sort of Robertson and, you know, I think Justin highlighted there that how well James Milner did with his acrobatics to keep that ball alive and, you know, Sadio Mane just sort of um, bringing it home. And I know the second goal was offside, but I thought he struck it so well. Well, that was a typical Mane finish. Mm. I think he scored at least three or four goals just like that. Well, well-driven shots close to the keeper can't react quick enough. Um, he, it was a really good performance. He, I liked that he was really, as Justin said, he was running at his man. He was mm-hmm. being very aggressive in possession of the ball. I know I don't want to harp on last season too much, but that's why he got a lot of criticism for the first half of the season because it seemed like he lost his confidence and he wasn't prepared to use his pace and take on his man and try to Did he seem a lot quicker to you today? Because to me, he seemed really pacey. He, he seemed like he was lightning, mm. lightning fast. I think he should just put a bolt in his hair instead of just <laughs> that one little streak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But his, his, his relationship with Nabi Keita, I don't think we've seen it yet. But mark my words, we're going to see it. If you guys want to go back and look at some of the highlights from when Keita was at Leipzig and there was chances created with Timo Werner where he just runs in behind and Keita spreads the first time pass through, I think we're going to see that chance created quite a lot this season where Keita's driving at a defense and he just plays one quick early through pass and either Mane or Sal are going to be on the end of it for sure. Yeah, um, it was great to see the guy get two goals today. I was really happy for him. Another thing I kind of noticed, I, I kind of picked up on the partnership between him and Nabi Keita as well. And I kind of noticed, you know, like him sort of pointing at Nabi Keita and vice versa, like where to be and stuff and like, you know, play over there and stuff. So I think as the season progresses, they're just going to get better and better. And I think, and I think what an absolute joy for a player like Nabi Keita to have those kind of options in front of him, you know, uh, that kind of pace from Mo Salah and of course Sadio Mane and the intelligence and the movement of Roberto Firmino. I think I just love the way sort of Nabi Keita is right behind them pulling the strings and, you know, sort of being the orchestrator of, of uh, everything. And now I think we need to discuss Mo Salah. And his goal. So, Hakeem, I will come to you first because Jamie Redknapp kind of insinuated something and I, I almost didn't like it. He was almost suggesting that Nabi Keita, I mean, not Nabi Keita, uh, Mosala pretty much, if he stands there, he'll get 40 goals, almost saying like if he just poaches them kind of goals. But Mosala is so much more than that. I want to get your thoughts on, on his performance today because, yeah, he probably wasn't as aggressive as the other two attackers but I thought he had a pretty decent game again given the fact that he's come back from a pretty scary injury a disappointing World Cup some personal issues as well regarding the national team I thought he looked very happy to be back in a Liverpool shirt well and firstly in response to to Jamie Redknapp if he does stand there and score 40 goals a season we'll all be singing at the end of the season when we've won the league so who cares that's not much of a criticism much, much bigger name strikers have done that their whole careers. But as you said, he, he does have more to his game. So he was trying, 
early in the first half, I was getting a bit frustrated with him. Mm-hmm. He was running, he was running offside quite a bit because he realized every time he touches the ball, he's going to get double teamed, but he just wasn't judging or timing his runs properly. But after a while, he, he, he got the hang of it. I think what we're going to see a lot more is him taking quick one, two touch passes <clears throat> and then moving in behind instead of doing what he did quite a few mm-hmm. times last season where he would get the ball in the box, dribble pass one or two and then shoot because we know that teams are going to be much more aware of his quality now. They're going to be really on him defensively. So I think it was, it was a good performance. It was, it was, it wasn't his best performance. It wasn't, I'd say an average performance. It was quite fine, especially mm. seeing the fact that West Ham were, were willing to sit back and they're playing almost a five at the back at times or even a 10 at the back because they were sitting so deep. Mm-hmm. He didn't have much space to run in behind. Yeah. And when he did, he did, he drew fouls or he, he stretched them quite a bit. So I think this is what we're going to see from Kate, um, see from <laughs> Mo Salah quite a bit where he's just quiet in the games. He's going to pop up with his goals here and there. But then in other times, we'll see him ripping teams apart. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about his performance at all or how the season's going to pan out. I'm just really excited about how the team is set up to, to use all their options now. Yeah, me too, Hakeem. And Justin, I'm going to come to you because I think, I think Hakeem made some really good points there regarding there was a lack of space, certainly the way West Ham was set up, which meant that Mosla couldn't really run into spaces. I kind of noticed as well, um, when sort of West Ham had the ball, he would jump into the midfield and try pressing them, you know, try being effective in other ways. Well, I mean, that's going to be the fun part about this. Most, that was not the best game that Mo Salah will ever play. Mm-hmm. Um, they crowded all of his space away and, uh, effectively, he um, still scored a goal and created a ton of space for the rest of his teammates who then ripped through West Ham's uh, defense, you know, pretty much at will. So they picked their poison. They decided they wouldn't let Mo Salah beat them. And instead, Sadio Mane, Nabi Keita, Andrew Robertson, uh, James Milner, and Gina Wijnaldum beat them. Mm-hmm. And that's a good sign that, you know, the, the one criticism of us in, you know, previous years is, you know, the whole one-man team uh, thing or uh, down the, down yes. the line and during the Premier League era. Um, I think that, I think that's effectively gone. I think that, you know, anybody who even tries to think that even, you know, Salah, even though despite setting a record for, uh, goals in a single Premier League season, far from our only threat, far from a one man team. So that's, that's, that's really nice. And I also want to go into something that, uh, Akeem was talking about, or actually to the whole concept of the Jamie Redknapp thing, right? Um, if Mo Salah just stands there, poaches 40 goals from in front of the net in a season, um, then he's Harry Kane. And the English media still just fucking praise the hell out of him for not running. So he can shut the fuck up. Well, there you go. There you go. And, you know, on a, on a little side note, I love the fact that that little um, young uh, pitch invader came on just to hug Mo Salah. That was quite a nice little moment. Sort of slightly off field there, but it's great. And I love the fact that people would assume that he would maybe be like a one-season wonder. And it's the first game back. We know his quality. We know how important he is and how well he works in his team. And the fact that it's the first game of the season, he didn't play his usual vintage Mosala self and he still manages to get in on the scoring action. I think that just speaks volumes for him as well. Uh, the fact that the kind of striker that he is. We're going to speak about the final goal now. And Justin, I will come to you. Uh, on comes Daniel Sturridge. I think within 30 seconds, 
felt about 30 seconds. First touch, boom, goal. I, I always want to see the Wigley arm dance. Always. <laughs> yes. I love that guy. I mean, what 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 it. What has Daniel Sturridge done besides come to Liverpool, score goals, and uh, get and get injured at inconvenient times? Nothing. I mean, that, that's exa- that's entirely. I'm, I'm hoping that the latter part of it, the getting injured, we manage his fitness well. Um, is is you know what the theme here is? But uh, you know, during the transfer pod last week, I uh, actually asked, um, or two weeks ago, I asked a guest, Daniel Sturridge. Um, I asked to deal with this actually directly. Um, Daniel Sturridge will he have more than 15 or more goal involvements this season? We both took the over, and uh, you know, nice start. Day one, there's one, there's there's a goal right there. Uh, I just feel I just feel good for the guy, and I want him to contribute to us mm. having a winning season because he's been you know an approachable, great player for the uh, for the side. Absolutely, and Hakeem, I'm going to come to you because I think he came on around about the 86 minute. Sorry, my my memory's a little hazy. He came on for around about I'd say like the 80 something minute mark. He maybe had six minutes or something to maybe do something he didn't really need to do anything because we were obviously three goals to the good um i love the fact that there was absolutely no pressure on him and he comes on and in in bygone seasons daniel Sturridge needs a little longer what is four minutes and he he comes on and he scores with his first touch i feel like his best football comes when like justin said he's fit he's happy he's healthy and Right now, it feels like there's not much pressure on him as a striker as well because he can come on and just kind of enjoy his football. I think he's more accepting of the role that, mm-hmm. that he's he's going to have to play this season. Yeah, it's clear that he's not going to be the first choice striker. I mean, on talent, yes. If if he was how if he was how he was back in two thousand thirteen fourteen, then yes, he would be the first choice striker. But he doesn't have the legs anymore, and he's not committed to the press as much as uh, Bobby Firmino is. But yeah. he it, it, it does seem like he's really enjoying himself. He's enjoying the team. He went away last season and he realized I want to contribute and I want to have success in my in my in his career. So he saw what the team achieved or could have achieved and he wants to be a part of that. So he, as I said he's more accepting of his role. And he's he does seem a, an all-around really nice guy. He looks does. like he has a really great relationship on the pitch with Nabi Keita and Jordan Shakiri. So that bodes well for him whenever he comes on and plays with those two. Off the field, he's he's one of the banter guys. He's always playing music or 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 something. So I think he's he's in a really good place right now mm-hmm. in regards to his career. So don't be surprised if. Daniel Sturridge gets another contract and he stays here for a couple seasons as our backup striker. I won't be mad, I'll tell you that for free. And you know what? Um, because this is the Nina Kauser show and we bring you the best analysis, the best of everything, Dags Tandon has just provided me with a stat as he's producing. Apparently, Daniel Sturridge has had more shots on target than West Ham did in the entire game. <laughs> he had two shots on target, West Ham had one. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, that's hilarious. Um, I think pretty much, guys, I think we've discussed the goals there. Is there anything you want to discuss before we kind of move on to man of the match? Uh, Hakeem, I'll come to you. Any Anything you'd like to discuss? Anything you'd like to get off your chest? Any player that you feel that needs a mention? No, not really. Well, I, I, I thought Trent would have been on the bench for the first game and Klein would have started. Not just because of 
how well he's played, but knowing that Klein had a full preseason, I thought Klopp would have trusted him a bit more. But And then his crossing was a bit off today. So I thought Klein would have got a look in, but hey, if Klopp decides that's what's best for the team and the morale, then by all means, that's up to him. I just thought it was very interesting that he didn't start Klein or start Sturridge. But then again, I know why. It's just to get those minutes in on Firmino and just to get the results sewn up. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great discussion point. And uh, Justin, I'll come to you on that. I want to get your thoughts because um, could it be that maybe Trent Alexander was probably more, I mean, I think Hakeem highlighted there that his crossing wasn't the best. But one thing that you do know about Trent Alexander-Arnold, he is a very, very much aggressive fullback. And I think when you kind of look at West Ham and maybe Klopp anticipate they might play a bit more of a defensive shape, his sort of crossing and his sort of pace and just his sort of attack-minding sort of thought process will probably be better suited than maybe Nathaniel Klein, who is a bit more defense-minded, in my opinion. Yeah, Klein, I think, is just a player who you can use in situations where you you really do need to defend, um, or a game is going to be cagier. They, they, mm. they were they were they're going to seed the ball in wide areas to us. They were going to seed everything to us and stay compact. So having the player who has the ability, and I, I think it's more than just a crossing concept because I find crossing is to relatively useless, um, especially against especially in the Premier League, especially when our front three is the size it is. Um, I think it's more about picking players who definitely because you know. Klein can whip a cross in, no problem. But on the other hand, he doesn't have the the passing accuracy and the creativity of a Trent from from a fullback position. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you actually need is the ability to try to patiently pick apart a team that's just going to sit in. And I, so I think it makes perfect sense as to why Trent's playing there. Um, this this you know this West Ham side, regardless of whatever you thought about them, they they were one of the worst defensive teams in the league last year. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't exactly going to go out and open up against our front three, knowing that the last few times they've done that, they've gotten really, really badly battered. Uh, two, yeah. four, that's three, four, I mean, it's three, four goal games in a row against them for us. Uh, they're, they're not going to make that, they're not going to try to make that same mistake a third time, even if they did. Yep. And Justin, any final thoughts or points that you'd like to raise before we kind of move on to Man of the Match? Yeah, I would just like to implore Premier League managers to stop making us attack the cop end in the first half because it's not going to end well for you or actually keep doing it because it's not going to end well for you. Yeah, keep at it. I'm quite happy with it. And for me, uh, I have to give a special mention to Jurgen Klopp's celebration for Sadio Mane's first goal. I'm sorry. That is just the highlight right there. It's a bit lewd, isn't it? I just couldn't stop laughing. It was like, really funny. Yeah, he has no self awareness. He's he's just my type of person. Uh, it just it just made me laugh. <laughs> okay, guys, I think that's pretty much everything discussed. Um, we've got to move on to man of the match. It is the first man of the match of this season. Obviously, it's the first game, Dernina. Right. Guys, your man of the match and your reasons for it. Justin, I'm going to come to you first. It's uh, the same man who I gave the man of the match to in the last time this fixture was played. James Milner uh, was everywhere, ran the game, was on the ball constantly, uh, created a pretty created a lot of our opportunities. Uh, basically, was just he was just everywhere and. I, I have to give a, a ton of respect to that as far as his performance goes and thought he was um, the you know, the exemplary performance in a team full of exemplary performances for an opening day. Nice. You know what? It's, it was one of those performances, weren't it, Hakeem, where 
I think you could pretty much give it to any player and there's just reason for it. So I'm intrigued to see where you go with this. Well, I'm going to be a bit contrarian and I'll go with Gini Wijnaldum mm-hmm. for my man of the match. I thought he was a really good DM performance and not, not necessarily as a destroyer, but someone who was keeping possession, taking over. And he showed his quality in, in, in a couple of diagonal passes where he played really well. So I think I would, I would go for Gini Wijnaldum. Look at that picking from the midfield. And you know what? I am going to follow the trend and my man of the match was actually Naby Keita I just think for your Premier League debut to have that kind of impact to find that kind of space to kind of control the midfield to to dribble in that midfield where sometimes there wasn't any space um it was just absolutely incredible I felt like he was the perfect component the perfect link I love the fact that he despite all the dribbling and having all the time in the world on the ball he could still look up and find that pass I know Justin said that maybe his passing accuracy was probably the of the least percentage compared to obviously the likes of James Milner but for me I just thought what a performance and we waited a whole season for that and I think he is um he's been the missing puzzle in that midfield and it's so nice to see a number eight shirt on that pitch and I think he's worthy of it and I think he's just going to get better and better. <laughs> so guys, I, th- I think we've all gone different and the funny thing is I don't think any of us is wrong because they all had incredible games. So listeners, if you're listening, let us know who your man of the match is and your reasons why and which one of us three is correct. That'll be another little interesting shout right there. Um, that is the end of this Nina Kauza show. A massive thank you to our callers. Um, I know you, you know, it's, you want to go out there and celebrate, but the fact that you call in, I really appreciate it. A massive thank you to these two awesome gents as well. Justin and Hakeem would not be a show without them. Before you go though, guys, anything you'd like to plug? Hakeem, I'll come to you because I know you've been quite busy on pods recently. Uh, yeah, I was on the, the the preview pod for the first 10 games of the season. So you guys might want to go listen to that. Uh, I'll give you guys a heads up. I go big with the amount of points that we're going to get. Mm. I urge everyone to listen to that. I absolutely love that podcast. I love the positivity. You and Chris Williams and Harry were absolutely brilliant on that. So do check that out. And Hakeem, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you guys can find me at, at Keem Dreamstar. I know it's a, it's a bit silly, but hey, that's where I'm at. It's not. It's actually quite a cool Twitter handle because this, uh, the next person's Twitter handle, I still can't pronounce it. Justin, where can people find you on Twitter? Where can they find your work? You can find me at Rolls on Shabbos. It's a joke about, it's a big Lebowski reference. Uh, R-O-L-L-S-O-N-S-H-A-B-B-O-S. Um, Nina's still never gotten it right once. Never? Not once. We've been friends for four years. Yep. And, uh, we're, there's going to be another transfer rumor, uh, the transfer rumor slash transfer window podcast, a bit of a uh, comical look at uh, some, some previous transfer windows. And uh, just a summary of our uh, of our summer overall that's going to air this week. Um, that, one, that one's uh, hosted by both me and Tadiwa. Um, so, yeah, give it a listen. You might enjoy it. You might laugh at me. You might not. 
again um it's an excellent podcast and you know Tadiva used to be a caller on this show but he's doing incredible on the transfer pod and he's completely binned me off I'm not heartbroken at all you tell him Justin you tell him good uh <laughs> yet for my part just keep it on here on AI uh, there's so much great content also check out AI Pro we've got a brilliant offer right now so do check that out um and if you want to follow me on Twitter, I've got a pretty simple Twitter handle, at Nina Kalser. Not like these two, making it difficult for you people. I like things simple and clean. A massive thank you to everyone for listening. And I hope you are equally as positive and optimistic as we are. Till next time, up the reds. Podcast Network.